Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaudet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. Have you ever planned a morning run, but when you woke up, you decided that laying in bed or enjoying a nice breakfast was a better option? I know I have. Well, today's podcast guest, Teresa Vincent, has run at least one mile every day since June 8th, 2015. At the time of our conversation, that streak was 2,269 days, which is almost six years and three months. Teresa and I talk about how she overcomes any obstacles that might prevent her from running, weather, travel, injury, things that most of us runners deal with. Teresa is a member of Team Red, White, and Blue, or Team RWB, and I met Teresa a few years ago at a Team RWB event with my friend Jeff Harrington, who was one of my first guests on the Let's Run podcast. Teresa is a veteran of both the Air Force and Navy. Teresa has also completed some ultra events, including running almost 38 miles in the sweltering summer ultra in Pittsfield a few weeks ago. So not only does Teresa run frequently, but she logs high miles as well. Her average this year is around five miles per day. Here's my conversation with Teresa Vincent, and stay tuned afterwards for a listing of local running events. I'd like to now welcome Teresa Vincent to the podcast. We're recording this on Monday, August 23rd, a day after Tropical Storm Henri slammed into New England. But Teresa didn't let Henri slow her down. She continued her run streak yesterday and today. So now she's up to 2,269 consecutive days of running, which is almost six years and three months. An amazing streak. So Teresa, welcome to the Let's Run podcast. Wow, thank you for having me today, Tim. Appreciate it. Tropical storm Henri turned out to be less severe than anticipated. Yet when you saw the forecast on Saturday calling for a hurricane with two days of rain and power outages, were you concerned at all that this might be the end of your run streak? Well, I knew it wasn't going to be the end of the run streak. I've had to deal with inclement weather before, so I knew that I'd be able to get at least a mile in, whether it was indoors or outdoors. I've had to run inside, put the watch on the indoor setting and run like a mile inside my apartment before. So I knew I would get at least a mile in. You have a treadmill? No, no, actually it's just running slowly between the rooms. (laughs) (laughs) So you literally run around your apartment. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So the minimum then distance is a mile to qualify for your run streak? Yes. A mile a day. So you've run every day since June 8th, 2015. Yeah. So when you went out for a run that day, were you thinking about a run streak at all? Or did this run streak just happen over time? Actually, um, I was thinking about a run streak at that time. I'd been playing on starting a run streak and I'd been stalking the Streak Runners International Facebook page for a couple of months. And I'd just been seeing what people have done. Of course, they're talking streaks of 20, 30 years. So it gets a little intimidating at first. But, you know, so first I was just a silent stalker that would kind of go on there and check out everybody else's things and maybe like their posts and stuff. But then I realized that I'd been running or at least walking at least a mile a day 
for a couple of months. So my sister's birthday is June 14th. So originally I thought I'll start my streak on June 14th. And I ended up starting my streak on June 8th instead. Like I just realized, oh, you know, (laughs) I've been running every day since June 8th. So I started my streak officially on June 8th of 2015. So are you a member of this Facebook group now? Yeah, I'm a member of the Streak Runners International. Oh, so you must be one of the stars now. (laughs) There's a lot of people who um, they have very impressive streaks, 10 years or more. And it's just amazing. So yeah, I mean, I, I like to post and keep accountable and cheer other members on and everything. So it's a pretty good group. So I looked uh, yesterday, you posted your run streak statistics. So the streak is 2,200 and after today's 69 days. Yeah. So that's 8,625 miles as, as of yesterday. How many miles did you run today? Um, we went 10 miles. 10 miles. So then eight. 86.35. So that's an average over the that entire time of almost four miles a day. Yeah. But in 2021, your average is higher. You've run 1,230 miles this year. So you do the math on that. That's over five miles a day. But I guess that's because you're doing some ultras now, right? You probably weren't doing ultras at the start of this. No, I wasn't doing ultras at the start <laughs> of this. Well, I've run my whole life, but I... Honestly, it was just a 5K, 10K runner, and I figured I'd run half marathons. But then last year when COVID hit, I started, I don't know if you've heard of Lazarus Lake. He does the Barkley Classics in uh, Tennessee. I've heard of the Barkley Marathon. Yeah, the Barkley Marathon. And I figured the only way that I would ever be able to run a Lazarus Lake event is last year during COVID, he did a... Um, a virtual event called the great virtual race across Tennessee. And it was 643 miles one way across. And it started May 1st and ended August 31st. So I thought, okay, I'll try that. (laughs) Yes. So you have to run what's 640 or so miles in four months. Yeah. So that's an average of about 160 miles a month. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just running. It was running and walking. It's a foot race. But of course, as the event goes on, he starts throwing things in like, oh, if you can go a thousand miles in four months or, you know, if you can make it back across Tennessee, you get little extra goodies and stuff. So I made it to a thousand miles last month, last year and uh, decided to sign up again this year and see how far I can go. So that's the race they call it the race across Tennessee or rat, right? Yeah. Yep. The great virtual race across Tennessee, the rat race. <laughs> rat race. But now you're going back, right, to do another thousand K or 640 miles, I guess. So uh, that that's called the bat, right? Back across Tennessee. Yeah. Back across Tennessee. Yeah. I, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I'm not going to make it all the way back across. As of last night, I had 1,084 miles. So I'm not going to make it to... It's like 1,286 miles. That would be over 300 miles a month average. No, I'm not going to make it back across this year. Even with a couple of ultras thrown in, that's quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just realized that my numbers, yeah, as far as just my running uh, miles was getting bigger. So that's why I decided to try out some ultras this year. So so during the pandemic, then, that really didn't slow you down much. You um, were an enthusiastic participant in ultra events. 
Yeah. Ultras and trail running seems to be something that the pandemic didn't really stop. We're socially distant anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So getting out there wasn't too hard. Yeah. So if you're just going to go out for a run, like you did this morning or whenever, do you have a favorite place to go? Well, I just moved to the Westfield area and I do like running on the bike path. But as far as favorite, not really. I'll run anywhere. Yeah, I like the Westfield bike path too. Sometimes I'll start at either Stop and Shop or sometimes at the Shaker Farms. I normally start at the Big Y entrance. Okay, yeah. Do you usually run in the morning? Yeah, I'm a morning runner. I like to get up, I do my stretches, and then I just go out for a run before my body wakes up and starts thinking, yeah, you don't want to do this. (laughs) Right, right. That's my favorite time of day to run too, actually, is the morning. Don't always feel like it. So do you have a goal for the run streak? Now you're over six years in. I mean, is there some goal, like 10 years, or you're just going to keep running until see how long it plays out? Yeah, I think I just want to keep running until my body tells me not to do it anymore. See, I started when I was 44 years old. So I was thinking, well, 50 years, so 94 years old, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a good goal. Yeah. So just had Tropical Storm Henri and you were able to navigate that. Okay. But I must, I imagine that over the six years, there must have been some weather events that have presented challenge to you and, you know, keeping your run streak alive. Uh, have you had any close calls at all with weather? Or? Well, I mean, there's always those days when you don't feel like getting out there because there's snow or, I mean, snow's not really that bad. It's more the ice storms, you know, when you have icy roads. But I do wear ice bugs in the wintertime and um, I'll wear my trail shoes. The hokas both work well on the ice as long as I'm just taking it down to a short distance and just bundle up and go out there. So are those like yak tracks? I didn't have much luck with yak tracks. They kept slipping. But you preferred running shoe with the hokas though, right? Yeah, yeah. The hokas or the, the ice bugs. They have the little spikes on the bottom. Yeah, Jeff Harrington. He's also a team RWB member. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Jeff likes hokas or at least one point in time. Jeff was actually in a hoka commercial. <laughs> was he? Oh, Com- Or an ad. He was in a hoka ad, I should say. It was some magazine ad. Oh, cool. And Jeff was quoted talking about how much he liked hokas. So this summer, it's been, to me anyway, particularly hot and humid. And and so these hot, humid days, that doesn't slow you down at all? Actually, this summer, not really. I haven't felt bad this summer at all. You know, last year, I was having a difficult time getting my breathing right or whatever. But this summer hasn't been bad. So you don't mind going out in the rain? The rain doesn't bother you at all? No, I don't mind the rain. I don't really mind any bad weather, to be honest with you. <laughs> actually, some people like the rain, right? The rain rain can be cool. Yeah. If I'm running like a long race, uh, actually, I, I think I prefer the rain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, as long as it's not a, you know, just a torrential downpour, a, a nice light rain is, is perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. But, but thunderstorms could be dangerous, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially falling branches or whatever. I mean, I try not to run during a thunderstorm, but if it happens. Blizzards. Snow doesn't seem to bother you. I guess ice is the biggest impediment, right? Yeah, I don't like ice. I like running in the Snowstorm Classics at Forest Park. Greater Springfield Harry, as they put on those races on Saturday mornings. And the races go from December through uh, the end of February. And they claim the fame is they've never canceled the race due to weather. <laughs> But I can concur. Icy days are the worst. A little bit of snow is okay. And what about extreme cold? If you have some sub-zero temperature days that you just bundle up? 
Yeah, I just bundle up as much as I can. And I plan on shorter runs those days. I used to live in North Dakota, so it hasn't really been that bad here in Massachusetts, which is nice. Yeah, the only thing I really don't like about winter running is like a race, you know, when you have to stand around before and after. <laughs> yeah. For me, the coldest one always seems to be the hot chocolate run. I don't know if you've ever done that one in Northampton. That's in December. Yeah, I've signed up for it a couple of times and I never make it just based on the fact that I didn't want to stand around before or after. So I donate my fee and I just end up running from my house that day usually. Yeah, the other really cold one is Gordy's first race in Westfield. Yeah, I've done that one. Then that was fun. I did the five a couple of years ago. Yeah, I've done that one. At least that one you can hang out at the Boys and Girls Club before and after. For the hot chocolate run, there's just so many people. There's no indoor places to take refuge. No. And yeah, so I really like that Westfield one because of that. If you're away on vacation somewhere, you've always been able to find places to run? Yes, I have. The worst one was I was coming back from running the Kentucky Bluegrass in Kentucky. So I wasn't expecting snow or ice. And so I hadn't packed any pokos or anything like that. I just had my normal running shoes on. And I ended up stopping in a place in New York because the weather got really bad. There was a snowstorm and it was actually a little bit of an ice storm. So the next day I went out in the parking lot to run a mile in the parking lot because surprisingly, <laughs> most um, hotels I found, the parking lots are normally around 0.25 miles around. So you could run most <laughs> four laps is a mile. Yeah, for four laps and get a mile in. But it was so icy that <laughs> I actually slipped and that was a bad run. Most hotels have treadmills. A lot of these hotels, well, I really don't love the treadmills. I mean, I'll use them if they're in good working order, but a lot of hotels don't have good working order treadmills. And then a lot of them have been closed because of COVID. So it's pretty much you go outside or run in the hall or something. I used to travel on business and I'd ask at the front desk, they had running routes. I can remember I was actually training for, I think it was my first Boston marathon. And I had to go on a business trip to Rockford, Illinois. And I had to get up at like five in the morning because you know, we worked all day. And then there was expectations to go out for business dinners and so on. So, so the only time window I had was before work. And I'm running through these neighborhoods. I had no familiarity with it all in the dark. And I had my headlamp on. I could imagine you, know, you might get into some situation where to keep the streak alive, you know, you'd have to run it in the dark. Has that ever happened where you, you run at night? Oh, yeah. I have the Knox gear, the best, the, the thing that lights up. And I found um, knuckle lights, like the what? ones that go on your, well, right over your knuckles. And they're very bright, like little flashlight things. Huh. And you put those on and it's just a great combination. I don't know. I do really wear the headgear ones because... It would always start slipping down. I could never get the light in the right place <laughs> like in the path in front of me. Like I found I was able to control the knuckle lights a little bit better. I just make the headlamp tight. I like it because it throws a little light in front of me so I can see where I'm stepping because the vest lights don't throw light. I mean, it's good for other people to see you, but it doesn't really help you see what's in front of you. Right. That's why I use the knuckle light. So the knuckle lights shine forward and I, I think they're just as bright as the headlamp. Cool. But do you like running on vacation? My wife and I were in Europe a few years ago, and it was kind of cool, actually. We were running in Stockholm and Copenhagen. Yeah. It, was, it was really a lot of fun, in a way, a, a neat way to explore the city. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I love running on vacation. I used to do that even before I was on a running street. So I've always been a bit of a runner. Well, I was in the military, so every place I've been, I've, I've always tried to get a run in. Because I do, I find that it's easier to 
explore the cities and the places on foot rather than just being in a car all the time or being on like a guided tour or, or something. It's just getting out there and, and exploring it on the run kind of, I don't know, it makes it very enjoyable for me. I agree. I, I had a former coworker and he had a goal of running every day for one year. So not, not as ambitious as you. And he was telling me this story was with his family. He came home at about 11 p.m. after being at an event all day. And then he told his wife, oh, I got to go out for a run now. <laughs> and she looked at him like he was nuts. So have you ever had a situation where it was like the end of the day came, you didn't get your run in yet, and you had to squeeze it in at 11 o'clock? Not that late for me yet, but I've had to get up super early, like three in the morning, two or three in the morning to get a quick run in before I've been going on airplane rides or going into work early or something. I, I've had to do it like really early. There was only one time when I was on a trip with a friend and I got up early and I, I just figured that I'd be home by, you know, one or two in the afternoon. And um, it turned out to be more like seven or eight. And I just wasn't prepared to run in the dark. Yeah. If you don't have your, your headlamp or your vest. Yeah. I didn't have any of that time so and so yeah i mean that was the only one time when it was sort of weird rain and the the very dark you know with nothing uh, right. but the phone you know your phone flashlight always works <laughs> i guess you could always fall back on that that's true so you're a member of team red white and blue we'll talk about that more in a few minutes but do you uh, do you ever run with the team rwb folk oh yeah when i moved to massachusetts 2000 12, 2013, I hadn't been running road races very much, you know, back up to running again and getting motivated. Of course, you start looking for road races and I'd see these pictures of, you know, the folks wearing the RWB red shirt with the eagle. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And then you get on the website, you know, and you start Googling. And I found Team RWB in Springfield, Mass. And um, I reached out to them. And of course, the chapter captain, Tom, got in touch with me like immediately. He's like, yeah, here's how you join the group. So when I started my run streak, I, I was never really the person that wanted to run with people. I was always like a solo runner. But as I was thinking about doing a run streak and running every single day, I was like, that's a lot of days to run by yourself. You know, maybe I'll right. see if I can find some like-minded people and, and get some motivation. So um, I joined RWB and at first it was like a lot of meeting up for runs and stuff. And I'd run with Tom and Kyle and Scott and Jeff, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, these people. Yeah. Well, it was a natural for you too. You were in the military yourself, right? You were in the Navy and the Air Force. Yeah, I was in the Air Force from 88 to 96 and then the Navy from 2003 to 2005. But you did say you still do quite a few runs solo. Are you concerned about safety at all when you run solo? Um, I think nowadays everybody needs to be really concerned about safety. I mean, especially with phones and drivers seem to be texting and not paying attention very much. Yeah. I mean, I've had things happen in the past with people and, and dogs and I've had the bear encounters in the <laughs> oh, a bear encounter. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, just one of those things where I was riding in Vermont and a bear just decided to cross my path. But <laughs> and of course, the first thing you do is you stop and you look around for mama. <laughs> oh, that's a cute little bear. Where's mom? You know, what do I do? Do I back up? So what did you do? What did I do? I just let him cross the road in front of me and he just went up decided to climb a tree on the other side. And it was one of those things where it's like, do I turn back around or do I keep going? And I actually just went really far over to my left and was able to keep going around past him. And I didn't see mama bear. 
So yeah. I guess I got pretty lucky. I've seen a few bears running just around my home in Southampton. Wasn't that long ago. My, my wife and I, we were just out for a walk, actually. It was a couple of months ago. And then we, we saw this bear cross the road, probably less than 100 yards in front of us. And he stopped in the road. And usually if they see people, they scurry away. But this bear didn't seem phased by our presence. And so we started backing up. <laughs> yeah. They say you shouldn't run away. I guess you're supposed to make a lot of noise so that you don't startle them so that they get a lot of warning when always when they do see you, you're still at a safe distance. But in this case, we backed up and uh, then the bear yeah. just went on his way. Yeah, most of the times they do just go on their way. So, but yeah, it is split second. Do I keep going or do I? <laughs> right. I would imagine if you're traveling and you want to keep the run streak alive and you're trying to find a place to run, are you concerned about neighborhoods at all and where you go running? Yeah, I've taken a couple wrong turns. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, normally just turn around and go back the other way. So what about dogs? If you run so often, have you had any encounters with dogs? Yeah, I've had a few encounters. I used to live up in Haydenville, and a lot of times people didn't leash their dogs. I've noticed here in Westfield, people leash their dogs all the time, which is amazing, and I thank them so much for that. But a lot of times people up there would be like, oh, walking their dog off the leash. And yeah, sure, their dogs are friendly, but I've had, <laughs> it's not so much bigger dogs that I was worried about, but there's a couple of those little tiny dogs that'll jump on me. Oh, like chihuahuas are the worst, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that chihuahua. I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it was a smaller dog. And it was wintertime, and I just bought these pair of Nike fleece line pants because it was pretty cold out. And um, I got so mad because this little dog was like jumping on my legs and he'd like bite into the material and he actually put some holes in these new pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's annoying. But most dogs I've encountered, it mm, hasn't been. You know, I've never been bit by a dog, you know, knock on wood. So we take our dog for a walk sometimes up at Mount Tom. There's a Mount Tom access road right across the street from the log cabin, yep. right on the East Hampton, Holyoke line. And actually, that's a nice place to go running in the winter because that route is always plowed and there's virtually no traffic on it. But people walk their dogs up there. And so we have a golden doodle. And the golden doodle, when we see other bigger dogs, our dog is very brave, barking, and we'll pull on the chain to keep her near us. But if we see someone with a chihuahua, for some reason, that she <laughs> wants nothing to do with the chihuahua because the chihuahua is barking away. And so you must have some days where you just get up and say, you know, I just don't feel like going out for a run. I mean, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> How do you motivate yourself to just keep doing it? Well, to be honest, on those days, I mean, the days when I just really don't want to, I'll just take time for myself, you know, either I go back to sleep or <laughs> read a book for a little bit or something. But normally I'll just put on some music and I'll just start my exercises, my stretches or whatever. And normally by that time, I'll want to get out for the run. I guess I've always been kind of a self-motivated individual, you know, like there have been times when I'll look on Facebook you know, and I'll check out the Street Runners page or a uh, Four Run Three, or I'm involved in the RWB, of course, and the RYH group, Run Your Health. And yep. there's always people posting super early that they're out for a bike ride or out for a run or doing a swim or something, and that'll get me ready to go out for my run. <laughs> of course, you got the streak itself too. So after a while, that's motivating. I think, and I know if I um, have a race I'm training for, it's a motivation for me. Right? Yeah, definitely. 
So this year you started running an ultra event. So we mentioned that a little earlier. And so you just ran uh, 37.63 miles on a hot and humid day in the eight hour sweltering summer ultra in Pittsfield. And you won your age group in that event. So congratulations for that. Thank you. <laughs> but that event is you're just running laps around a track, right? Right. Yeah. It's a very small track. I think it was 0.35 miles. I'm honestly not a math person. So <laughs> so I just do quick math, 0.35 miles, roughly three laps a mile. So if you ran 37.63 miles, you ran about 110 laps. <laughs> yeah, it was 106 laps. It, that doesn't count the trips to the porta potties or <laughs> you know, the trips that you take off course to you know, there's a massage person there and everything. Oh, it was a wonderful experience. So you're running for eight hours yeah. and, then you, and you ran a bunch yeah. of laps and then someone with a massage table and you say, gee, I think I'll go for a massage. Is, is that how that yeah, works? Almost hour six. All of a sudden my legs started cramping up the upper legs and the hips. It was one of those points where if I'd just been running like a regular half or whatever, I would have had to stop and walk it the rest of the way. But in this case, I was just like, Hey, massage guy <laughs> what can you do this is the pain that i'm getting and he just manipulated my legs and massaged it out and i was able to i mean i did of course walk a lot more after that and the sun was out and it was it's called the sweltering summer ultra and it lived up to its name at that mm -hmm. point all of a sudden it was just like oh i'm i'm dead <laughs> the sun was beating down and i was just like all right i'm walking and i was walking a lot more than i was running well, i have a friend who ran uh, sarah bousquet she was on the podcast a few months ago talking about ultras and so she participated in that event and she finished pretty high up i want to say she was like the third female finisher She's done a lot of ultras. Wasn't she like fifth overall? Maybe fifth. I can't remember, but she was in the top tiers for sure. But she's in a younger age group. Sarah was the one that actually, she motivated me a lot during that run because just watching her run was so effortless. You know, she was just floating around. And I think I saw her the other day at Ashley Reservoir. And she, it, she just does the same thing. Like she runs like she's floating on air and it's just incredible. to watch. So that's the longest you've ever run in one day, 37 yeah. miles. So how did you yeah. feel the next day? Did you feel like going out for a run? Were you sore? Well, there was a little pain, but I actually felt pretty good. I brought my foam rollers with me. And I think that massage really did help. I can't remember the guy's name. I think his name is Tony Trillo. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but he did the massage there and it was just amazing. So actually the next day I didn't feel as bad as I thought I would. And I was still in Pittsfield. I just decided to take a hotel room, stay the night. So I... Just went out and ran the streets of Pittsfield for a couple miles for a little shakeout run, found a little breakfast place. It was cool. But yeah, I didn't feel too bad. Good. Well, that was your second ultra in a short period of time, right? Because just a few weeks prior to that one, you, you ran 20, over 27 miles in the six-hour jug and loop ultra. Yeah. So now is you hooked on ultras now? Is that a thing for you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to think about that one. I started out you know, just wanting to be like a half marathoner. And I think I'm probably going to go back to that next year. Um, the one thing that I really do like about this is I think I'll be able to increase my speed in the half marathons, but really like 13.1 or even a 25 K like to me, that's just like the sweet spot. Those are the races that I really want to continue doing next year. I think that this is a great experience. And honestly, for both of those races, I wouldn't mind volunteering and going to cheer on people and stuff like that, but uh, running them myself, probably not. 
So you mentioned half marathons, and that seems to be the sweet spot for a lot of people. So um, have you run any half marathons? Yep. I'm a member of the Half Fanatics. So I've run 24 half marathons since I started my streak. Wow. I've run 24 half marathons in 22 different states. All 22. So you have a goal then to run half marathons in all 50 states? Yes. So what's the furthest away half marathon that you've run? Um, Well, I did run one in California already. My sister lives in Los Angeles. So I did um, one there, the Lexus Lisa in Palo Verdes. So as far as 50 states, that's (laughs) the furthest one. I think in um, Alaska and Hawaii will be the the real challenge. Yeah, Alaska I'm I'm planning on doing as my 49th and then Hawaii I would like to do it as my 50th. Oh, so you got this all planned out. Yeah, well, except for all the other states in between. I haven't really, I don't have that much of a plan. You know, I um, was talking about half marathons in an earlier podcast. And in Europe, half marathon is actually the most popular distance for a race, uh, which I was surprised. I I think, you know, here it's a 5K is the most popular. But in the largest half marathon in the world is in Sweden, Gothenburg, Sweden. Oh, so they have, I want to say 40, 50,000 runners. So do you know Meredith Maslowski? So I had Meredith on an earlier podcast and she, um, she has a goal of running a hundred half marathons and she's done 85 or 86 thus far. And she has a plan to run her hundredth at the mother's day half marathon in Whaley next May. Oh, awesome. I don't know if you know Meredith, but if you want to talk with a half marathon expert, she's your person. Yes, actually, I did meet Meredith at a local, I can't remember if it was a 5k or 10k that we were doing. And she actually introduced me to this group called Run Your Health, RYH, where I've met a lot of my friends that I'm running with to this day. But yeah, I credit Meredith for a lot of my running and for just a lot of inspiration. Like she's just an amazing runner. And yeah, all the half that she's done is just absolutely incredible and getting stronger and, and fitter every single year. It's just amazing. I remember I was running one day and she was actually on a bike and I was like, whoa, but yeah, it's very important to cross train. Yeah. So let's talk about cross training. So one thing that comes to mind is, you know, most of us runners deal with injuries, Achilles and hamstrings. And so how have you managed to avoid any serious injuries during your run streak? Or maybe you haven't. <laughs> Well, there's always something, right? But I've actually, uh, years ago, I got onto a stretch routine, which a lot of runners don't like to stretch, but I mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured out that that was going to be the one way to help me. So I do my head to toe stretching exercises before I run. Sometimes I'll throw in some lightweight. I also do a lot of foam rolling nowadays, and I have a massage person, an acupuncturist. (laughs) I bought a bike and I've joined the Y. So I'm trying to do other things other than run. And that's another thing with COVID, of course, running more miles seemed to be the smartest thing because I could stay outside, you know, and away from people. Now with things, knock on wood, hopefully opening up and getting back into it, I'll be able to go to the gym and do other things, go swimming or go for a bike ride. So I had an Achilles problem a number of years ago. And and so I went to a physical therapist and her recommendation was doing dynamic warmups before an event and then stretching afterwards. It sounds like you stretch even before. I do dynamic exercises. They weren't taught to me as dynamic exercises, but like I'll do the marching in place, the high knees, the high, the kickback, you know, which I've found are a little bit more of the dynamics, I guess. So I do that as part of my 
regular warm-up routine. Did you ever run with Jill Murphy on Wednesday nights? I know I used to see Jeff there a lot and some of the other RWB folks. Jill would lead the group through uh, some warm-up hip circles. She called it opening the gate, you know, <laughs> closing the gate, that sort of thing. Yeah, I've attended a couple of Jill's sessions. I signed up for the Marine Corps Marathon, which of course went virtual. And Jill is doing a marathon running group in October. Well, she's doing the running group um, up until October, but the actual race is in October. So I signed up to run the marathon there. So once in a while, I'll stop in and see what the group is doing. So I have run with her. She's amazing. I mean, they know so much. Her, Kim, Trisha, they're just awesome people to talk to about anything. Shoes, socks, or run three is an amazing place to go. Yeah, Jill and Tim were on an earlier podcast. So you mentioned the Marine Corps Marathon. Have you done that one before? No, I'm not a marathoner. So I've never actually (laughs) done the marathon, but I did a couple of their virtual events, you know, that kept popping up and now it seems to be a series. So I've actually done a bunch of virtual Marine Corps events, like the Desert Storm 218 miler, which I did as a team event. There's also a 17.75 kilometer run that they did the historic half I ran that as a virtual event and they did some smaller ones so I'm just kind of running like a Marine Corps marathon series (laughs) that culminates with the actual marathon yeah the actual marathon is in I believe it's in October yeah I'm just gonna do it virtually I think that there might be trying to still go live even though some of those events are looks like they might be getting canceled again, which kind of is sad. I hope not. I'm registered for the Boston Marathon and it's in October. And we're just talking about that. We were just hoping that they would still hold it. But I did the Marine Corps Marathon back in 2015. And that was a great event. If you ever get a chance to go down there, I I think you would really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, well, I originally I'd signed up to run the historic half live and it kept going virtual. So I just ended up doing it virtually this year. But like I said, halves are my thing, but I'll get this one out of my system. And Yeah, right. If you do a half there, that, I guess that counts for uh, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm actually going to Virginia Beach. I don't know if you've heard about the rock and roll series. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Virginia Beach is having their last half marathon this September. So I've signed up to run. I'm going to run that one September 4th. So I'm going to go do that one for Virginia. We talked about other activities. I believe you like hiking also. I've done a few uh, hikes. I've done a few trail runs. I've turned into hikes. Do you like trail running? Yeah, yeah, I do. I really like trail running. There's a group that goes out and does this malicious run from the Run Your Health folks. Okay. And there's a couple of guys that do that malicious run. So I've joined them on a couple of their trail runs. So what's the malicious? I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, um, it starts at the 911, the Burgers. Oh, and Nagawam. It's like a four-mile run from there to the malicious ice cream stand. And then you have your ice cream. Then you turn around, you run four miles back across the hills. Sounds like fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. As long as you don't eat too much ice cream. I've just done that a couple of times. But I do enjoy the trail running. I ran Chesterfield Gorge, the 25K. This past July 11th, I was able to go run that. Yeah, I like trails. I like trails a lot. I find them to be a little bit easier on my feet than the road races yeah they're softer than running on pavement but i find i'm always on the lookout for rocks and tree stumps yeah definitely i don't think i would want to do a race longer than 25k 
on trails just because it does take more out of you, like looking for things, you know, looking for rocks and and snakes. Well, definitely. Let's talk about Team Red, White and Blue. You're, you are a member. And for folks who don't know, the mission of Team Red, White and Blue is to enrich the lives of veterans. And I had Jeff Harrington on one of my first podcasts, and he talked all about Team RWB. So are you currently active in Team RWB events? Yes, I'm the communications director. So on the page, I'll post um, the weekly events. And I try to get out to most of the events and take some pictures and post some group pictures of the RWB folks. One of the common misconceptions about Team RWB is that it's just for veterans, you know, enriching the lives of veterans. But actually, there's a lot of civilians that we have joined the group, and they're just amazing people. So if there's any civilians out there that would be interested in joining the group. Jeff Harrington and I talked about the the massive bling from the Taji 100. I think you participated in that last year. I think that was a virtual event around 100 miles in a month during the pandemic. Yeah, during February, yeah. Massive medals. Yeah, they go out of their way with the swag for that one. But Team RWB is much more than running. Yeah. Are you involved with other Team RWB events besides running? Yeah, well, Monday afternoons, there's a no-drop weekly bike ride from East Granby, Connecticut. So that's biking. On Tuesday mornings in South Hadley, we do a walk, a weekly walk at 8 o'clock. And... We do have leadership meetings. We're trying to go to some food places. Coincidentally, the last time we had a leadership meeting, it was in um, Malicious, (laughs) (laughs) the Malicious ice cream place. We do hold social events. You know, we try to go to local places with the music, you know, with music venues and stuff like that. And I think the first time I met you was while I was with Jeff participating in a Team RWB event. It was Ruck's Giving at Ashley Reservoir. So we had backpacks or rucksacks, and and so we carried food, and Jeff carried a turkey, and I think yes. I carried a, a sack of potatoes. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was carrying a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I probably had potatoes or something in there, too. <laughs> it's probably something pretty heavy, though, canned goods, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, unless somebody snuck a bag of popcorn in their rucksack. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of times... It's all about the donation. So we might just carry lighter stuff like some marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because we're not in the military anymore, so we don't have to carry the heavy stuff, right? <laughs> right. But you're a veteran. Like we said yeah. earlier, you served both in the Air Force and Navy. So thank you for your service to our country. Oh, um, and while you were in the service, you lived in many different places. In Florida, yeah. you were in Wyoming, you were in Cheyenne, I think. Yeah, I was in um, Cheyenne, Wyoming. I was in Rhinemine Air Base, Germany, Minot, North Dakota. I was in San Diego, California. Florida was one of the places I went afterwards. I wasn't actually in the service at the time. So did you like traveling then? It must have been a good experience. Yeah, I love traveling. Being in one place really is tough for me. Well, San Diego, that's one of my favorite places to go. Uh, the weather, it was always perfect. Nice places to run too. downtown. You know, you could run along the harbor. Yeah. And if you were ever in Coronado Island, that was a great place to run. The historic gas lamp district is just beautiful. There's like a park there. Balboa Park. Balboa. Yeah. Actually, that's a good place to run too. It's a little bit hilly there, Balboa Park. Yeah. Hills are good though. You, you mentioned that you have 
fibromyalgia. And so I understand the symptoms of that, uh, widespread muscle pain and tenderness. Has that had a significant effect on your running? Funnily enough, what I've experienced over the years, because when I was first diagnosed, I was told by doctors that you're going to be bed bound and you're going to, and it happened to me while I was in the Navy, you know, and they're basically like, just slow down, stop moving, because I'd always been very active. I was a gym rat before I became primarily a runner, you know, so I was always working out, always lifting, you know, in the gym all the time. And so, yeah, I was in the Navy when I was diagnosed. So I stopped doing all that stuff. I thought, okay, I'm, this is just going to be my life. And the pain increased when I stopped moving. So luckily I did get in touch through the Navy because the medications, of course, the whole thing was, you know, here, take a pill, take a pill. And pills were not working. It was, it was making me more inflamed actually. So I did, finally, they sent me to a pain therapist and they're the ones who got me doing the stretches and really learning to listen to my body. And and it would tell me if I needed to stop as long as I was smart enough to listen to it. (laughs) And they also told me to keep moving. That movement is one of the things that always stuck out to me. Movement is life. And as long as you can move forward, do it for as long as you can, as much as you can. And so, you know, I've taken that to heart. It's like some days, I'll walk a lot before I start running or whatever, but I'm always moving forward. I, I don't like to sit still. I don't know many people these days who actually do like to sit still. I just say the crowd that I run with, we're a bunch of movers. No, I think movement, it's great for a lot of ailment, not just fibro, yeah. but it's amazing really what the, how therapeutic exercise can be. And it doesn't have to be running necessarily, but some kind of movement. Yeah, definitely. Um, And that's what I've been coming across. And even when I had COVID back in December, and I found that even just by getting up and moving for like an hour, I might be wiped out afterwards, sleeping a lot more, but just getting up and moving seemed to help me. So in anything, you know, if I have a cold or, or anything, like on the worst days, just get out of bed and, and start moving. I think you know, if you really feel awful, you know, lay there, give yourself the time. But I don't know. I, I think a lot of times getting up and, and moving around and trying to think about something else really helps. When you had COVID, did you have a, a mild case or a more severe? Yeah, it was pretty mild. So Teresa, well, thanks so much for sharing all your experiences on the Let's Run podcast. And you're truly an inspiration for those who are on a training plan and they wake up and then just don't feel like going out for a run. And somehow, you, you know, you manage to do it every day. So you inspire the rest of us. Thank you. I mean, I honestly, you know, if you do not feel like getting up and going, you know, don't go right away. <laughs> if you have the time to lay there for another five, 10 minutes, then do that. Then maybe they'll want to <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, for me, if I'm training for a race, that's kind of my motivation. Yeah. If I didn't have a marathon on the horizon, I think some of these mornings, I probably wouldn't be out there. But this has been great. I hope to see you out running in Western Mass. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, happy running. Okay, thank you. Now that fall is approaching, races are starting to take place more frequently. I thought about providing some highlights, particularly those involving podcast guests, but I ultimately concluded that it wouldn't be fair to all the numerous runners who participate in these events to just single out a few, so I ultimately decided against it. But if you were listening to this podcast and ran in a recent road race, 
congratulations. However, I will break my rule and cite three Western Mass runners, Jason Dominic, Erica Emerson, and Casey Mandrala, who participated in the incredible Leadville 100 trail run on August 21st and 22nd, a 100-mile run through extreme Colorado Rockies terrain from elevations of 9,200 to 12,600 feet. Erica Emerson will be my guest on an upcoming podcast to share her experience in that grueling event. Congrats to all those runners who are brave enough to sign up for Leadville. Now for upcoming events. The local running club weeknight race series is winding down as we move to September. The Monday evening races at Stanley Park and Westfield have concluded for the year, as have the Tuesday night races in Northampton and the Wednesday night summer sizzlers at Forest Park. However, the Thursday night races at Ashley Reservoir will continue until September 30th. Remember, the starting time for the Thursday night races at Ashley in September is moved back to 6 p.m. The days are getting shorter. However, there's no shortage of races in September and October. Looking at the Greater Springfield Harriers website, there are 20 races scheduled in Western Mass for September and 17 more scheduled for October. Rather than me reading a list of 37 races, I will list races for the next two weeks and will refer you to the Harriers website for a complete listing. Rob Landry does a great job of listing upcoming local races as well as providing links to local race results. You can also check out Running in the USA to find races outside of Western Mass. It's easy to sort by state, city, or county. The September races kick off on Friday, September 3rd with the Big 5K at the Big E Fairgrounds in West Springfield. The Road to Recovery 5K is a virtual walk-run dedicated to support those in Franklin County who struggle with alcohol and drug addiction. Participants are free to run, walk, bike, swim, etc. anytime between September 4th and September 18th. Ultra runners can sign up for either a 12 or 24 hour ultra at the Village Ultra in New Salem on the weekend of September 4th and 5th. The Berkshire Running Center hosts a 5K run for the park in Windsor, Mass on Saturday, September 4th. And the Berkshire Running Center also hosts the 46th Mount Greylock 8 Mile Road Race on Sunday, September 5th. The fifth annual Race to End Child Abuse, a 5K run or walk, has been rescheduled to Sunday, September 5th in Greenfield. From Friday, September 10th to Sunday, September 12th, the Notchview Ultra Trail Runs take place in Windsor, Mass. You can run for 48, 24, 12, 6, or 3 hours. There's four events on the race calendar on Saturday, September 11th. The Westfield 5K, 10K, Half Marathon at the Boys and Girls Club in Westfield takes place on September 11th. Mike Sheldon, a previous guest on the podcast, is the race director. Also on September 11th, the Halfway to St. Patrick's Day 5K at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke takes place. And on September 11th, the fourth annual SOAR 5K and Music Festival takes place in Belchertown. And finally, on September 11th, the Raider Run 5K cross-country race will take place at Hampshire Regional High School in West Hampton. I actually ran in this race a few years ago. It's a fun, low-key event. On Sunday the 12th, the Black Birch Vineyard 10-Miler takes place in North Hatfield, hosted by Impact Racing Events. 
The Healthy Kids Running Series for kids in grades pre-K through eighth grade takes place in Southwick on five Sundays this fall from September 12th to October 10th. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running. Happy running.